0: GM, GM. this is bmgm vagabond magazine good morning cd domiccio joined by co-hosts quanta and riona morgan and maybe we'll get a few of the other editors up on the stage how are you guys doing today good morning
1: how's the monday been going i am busy i'm i'm technically working <laughs>
2: Nice. <laughs> so is this like a break from work or are you, um, uh, you know, you're you're juggling two things at one time?
1: Kind of. Yeah, I'm juggling. Um, I'm trying to respond to some emails and then I got uh, this. This is on my phone. So nice.
2: I kind of feel like since I've come into Web3, I I don't know how I managed to do like five, ten things at one time. You know, my attention is there like everywhere of what you're creating. So I think like that something, um, what you're saying leans towards that.
3: All right, so I, I I can jump in here. Sorry again for being a little late guys. Yeah, I'm literally squeezing this in in between uh, a couple of real world um work meetings here, but um you know, uh schemata, you know, um interested to learn a little bit more. I did catch the part where you said uh you're more web3 adjacent. So talk to me a little bit about what you are are doing. Um what uh what are your, what are your interests? What are your activities kind of look like?
1: Okay. Um First of all, if, if you haven't, uh, if you don't know me, you can call me Dylan as well. Um, you can find me on, on LinkedIn, Dil- uh, Dylan Mers. Uh, a lot of what I <laughs> I have a lot of different interests. So one of one of my key things is my key skill. I feel like is communication and writing. And so uh, one of my taglines is fiction for a better tomorrow. Uh, I want to encourage people to be writing solutions oriented fiction. Uh, fiction that examines the issues of today on, on the backdrop of, of a future setting, or even it, it could be even as near future as uh, some of my stories I've written that people are saying, is this real? Did this happen? Is this something that's actually going on? And I'm like, no, this is just, you know, it's so plausible that it could be real. It could happen tomorrow. Uh, but that's that's how we need to talk about these technological advances because they are happening so quickly. We need to get ahead of them. Instead of waiting until, uh, you know, NFTs crash, you know, financial systems or until, you know, uh, these these disasters happen because we haven't made plans or we haven't discussed it beforehand. We just kind of dive in and start building uh, things that are just going to get top heavy and fall over. Um, I'm interested in sustainability. I work in energy. Um, I'm interested in social issues. I mean, it's it's all these is what they call They're calling now poly crisis. All of a sudden I'm starting to hear poly crisis everywhere. Uh, you know, climate change, environmental, uh, social governmental issues. Um, all of these are things that can be addressed through fiction and through writing and through communication, even through nonfiction and science communications, um, and social communications, bringing people together, uh, to organize in different ways. Um, we've been working for the owners for such a long time that it's hard to even imagine what it would look like if, if the people actually ran the world. Um, So I, for me, the big thing is just trying to get everyone to imagine different things and to, to imagine different futures. So too often we're imagining this dystopian future that really seems very possible, very plausible. But we need to imagine how we can fight back against that dystopian future, how we can make utopias out of dystopias, how we can imagine a better tomorrow, and, and how we can band together to do it, because the people in charge are only looking out for themselves.
3: Well, that is so awesome. Which polycrisis, by the way, I've never heard such a cool and technical sounding term for apocalypse. <laughs> it sounds a little less uh, less extreme, so I'm gonna start start using that instead. But I uh, yeah. I uh, I think that's re- that's really cool. So I mean, you know, I mean, re- you know, writing as a, a source of activi- activism. I mean, I definitely think that that you know, has demonstrated value, you know, as far, you know, even, early, you know, I think specifically back to like the jungle and, and I'm, I'm absolutely certain that, you know, social commentary through fiction, you know, has a long and rich history. So, I mean, give me a, a little more of an example about how you, um, you take that and, and put your own personal spin on it. I mean, are you ready to educate or are you ready to dramatize what, you know, what, what makes your approach to the space, um you know uniquely dylan's i want to
0: jump in here if you can hear me
3: yeah i can hear
0: oh that's amazing i finally can be heard um so for those that don't remember dylan wrote about an autonomous ai named sophie in the may issue of vagabond magazine and this was sort of like my introduction to the type of writing that dylan does but um but that is, if you haven't seen it, go check that out. And Dylan, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I'm so excited to be able to talk. And also, I wanted to um, to highlight the fact that that those those stories actually exist in Vagabond Magazine, and you can go check them out.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, that's just one aspect. Um, for me, it's it's less about the actual style because I write in all different styles. I have another, I have two substacks, and one of them's looking at the future, and one of them's looking at other types of fiction. I, I really can't constrain myself to like one. It's, it's just just so difficult to keep my brain on one track. Uh, so I'm always doing different things. Uh, but more, it's more about the attitude. It's about, you know, um, the, the story that, that um, CD mentioned was uh, Sophie is not an influencer. Is it, a virtual person. It's a software uh, that's on the network but is not an influencer is not a brand spokesperson is not um what what we see when we when people are talking about these AI bots um Sophie is um an example for regular people Is um models good social media behavior Sophie is is a mechanism for us to kind of um take uh an ethical and mindful approach to living um, instead of an AI that's trying to just keep, keep us grinding on social media and keep us buying and selling and keep us moving forward, um, which, which all the social media just really wants us to keep creating more content for free for them to get more eyeballs and ads. Um, Whereas I think that technology should be exploring what it means to be human technology should be exploring, what it means to improve over time instead of how to sell another product. Um, and that—and that's just one aspect. Um, there's some other stories um, where I, I try to create relatable characters in situations that are familiar to us um, and, and how they deal with them, how they adapt to them. Because when we read uh, stories about characters that we can relate to that makes an impression on us and when we see them struggling with things that we either have struggled with are struggling with or might struggle with in the future or we know people who are struggling with we can relate to those people better and when we practice scenarios that um we've never experienced we are better able to understand and handle them in the future when we do encounter them so I, I see fiction one another one of my mottos is fiction is hypothesis in motion. It's taking this kind of what if and walking the readers through it so that they can have uh, a new perspective on the experience of living.
3: That's, that's utterly incredible. So, I mean, would it be fair to say then that your style um, tends to favor a more utopian twist?
1: Yeah. I'm a realistic utopian. Um, I don't want to ever sh- sugarcoat anything. And, and I really ch- push back to a lot of these people. It, it's, it, it's been in the news a lot now because Elon Musk made a statement uh, that AI is going to get rid of work. Um, I really find that very skeptical. I'm, I'm so skeptical of this singularity is going to make life so much better because the people in charge of building the singularity, The people making these AI, the people who are lobbying legislators to uh, to regulate AI, um, all they want to do is make a product to make money. Um, That's not the path to universal basic income. That's not the path to a jobless society. That's a path to further control and manipulation and power consolidation. Um, I want to call out things like that. Uh, I want to try and take action because I am... Uh, a realistic optimist, I think that we do have the ability to take action, but I don't. Uh, I don't think that utopia. I guess to say utopia is a delicate balance, and we're so off balance that it it seems implausible.
3: You know, it, yeah, that's an excellent point, point. it kind of kind of leads me into the the follow up I wanted there. I mean, when you, when you're writing anything that. That remotely looks like a happy ending I mean I say this as somebody who who admittedly whenever I try to take something um, in my fiction somehow, somehow it's going to go dark even if I don't intend, intend that and some of that's just you know the zeitgeist we have right we're living in a very dystopian pessimistic zeitgeist so so how, how do you fight that off how do you keep your creative energies from from bleeding in that direction um, particularly given that it you know it kind of goes against your your stated mission and vision.
1: Yeah, no, I've, uh, I love dystopians. Uh, I love uh, what, what, what kind of classes, a cautionary tale. Um, and I think cautionary tales have a place in our social discussion. Uh, I think that they're overplayed. I think that we've done a lot of it because it's easy to do. Uh, so the cautionary tale, you know, classics, I grew up reading Michael Crichton when my friends were reading Goosebumps. Um, but Michael Crichton always had, you know, there's some technological development. How can it go wrong? Um, you know, that's, that's what pushes stories is that, that, uh, that plot line of how can it go wrong? Well, we see things going wrong around us all the time. We don't need to ask how can it go wrong. We need to ask how can it go right? And that's what I kind of orient myself. I want to have characters. And, and when you look at, I don't like to use this, but, you know, that one of the uh, this, a similar uh, movements in fiction is called like hope punk or solar punk. I think that punk part is really kind of overstated because punk means people going against the status quo to to get solutions on their own. And a lot of the hope punk and solar punk are really like utopian fiction um in a new in new clothing. But um what I want to see is people fighting against the tide. So yeah, we might be headed full steam ahead into um uh, dystopian future, but I want to see people. I want to see stories about people who are trying to make meaning in life because that's what I'm doing. I have a family, you know. I love every moment with my family, and the rest of the world terrifies me. But I want to figure out how can you bridge that—that that joy of creation, the joy of being together with people you love, um, the joy of fighting to have a better future—with and reconcile that with where we see ourselves going today. So the question I keep asking instead of how can it go wrong is how can it go right? And I don't think that there are, okay, let's, let's take that happy endings, unhappy endings. I don't think there's endings. There's just kind of where the story stops. Um, So a lot of my stories actually end kind of ambiguously. Like you get to the end of that part of the story, but those characters keep living on that world keeps living on things are going to go back wrong things are going to go right it it's re, it's trying to give a realistic picture um and and every story is different every story has a different aim too sophie is kind of is very utopian um but it actually doesn't get into any depth it's kind of just almost like it, it's it's a series of news pieces all strung together Um, As you know, news is about as fake as you can get in storytelling.
0: I found Sophie to be fairly dystopian, actually, like the idea of like people harassing and, you know, chasing Mm -hmm. down this this sentient A.I. it it sort of like it, (laughs) it, it really it really put my nerve endings on edge. You know, I was just like I was picturing this girl who's like basically helpless against her attackers. Yeah.
1: Well, but also in, in that um, in, in that particular segment too, her she took that power back um, by blocking the person who was harassing the, her, demonstrating demonstrating to her audience that we don't have to put up with this kind of behavior, demonstrating that you don't even have to engage them. You just say, you know, give a warning, say, "I'm not comfortable with this this communication." And if you do it again, I'm blocking you. And that's that was the whole title of that segment was Sophie blocked me and she was not wrong. He even has, you know, that that's optimistic because most of these people probably won't take it the right way. But he he has a revelation that that, oh, well, I did overstep my bounds. Um, That's what I would hope that, you know, some of these stories do is to kind of reflect and model behavior.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, You I forgot about that. The title of it actually was the the whole point, in a sense. Um, Anyway, I love that series. Um, I'm thinking back to one of the first pitches that you threw at me was like a, um, like almost like a commune, like, um, you could Hmm. almost say a solar punk commune. Could you talk about that project a little bit if you want to?
1: Yeah, absolutely, because you, you guys can pick my brains about all these story worlds that I've created uh, all day long, and I just talk, talk, talk. <laughs> um, um, so that one is actually it's it's part of a bigger story that I've put on the back burner because I have another story that I'm trying to push out, and then I've also got a stack of stories that are already written that just need to be edited to be published. But um, that is... Uh, uh, what, what I, I don't even remember what I called it. I re- ended up renaming it, but it was um, – the concept was uh, the new, escape, new Estate DAO. And um, the idea was that you know I'd seen all these Web3 builders, people who are saying, we want to build a new system, a new whatever, and, and they're selling all these NFTs and they're making loads of money. And then they're wasting that money, not investing it into actual action. So these people are like suddenly like they're new money rich and then they just invest it in the same thing that made that money instead of building something out of that, their, their gains. So I wondered like, what if there was a group of people who really hit rich in NFTs and then got out immediately and invested in something that was real world, that was um, bigger and better. And um, that, that particular small story was about, uh, that they had bought um, an aristatic, uh, aristatic uh, uh, a country estate in Europe somewhere where um, it had been under disrepair. And, you know, it's too expensive for most people to to upkeep those kind of estates, so they kind of bought it a little bit on the cheap, they renovated it, they turned it into, you know, one wing of this palace was turned into, you know, content creator studio, so that they could foster the community online of creators and people. There was um, uh, regenerative farming uh, gardens on the ground. So the grounds, instead of being, you know, all flowers and fluff was turned into um, a model garden that they would use to educate um, people, uh, locals and people around the world. They had community outreach where they would uh, bring people in and teach them how to garden their own plots. Uh, like householder, uh sustainable gardening and, and cook and prep and cook through the winter. That's one of the things that we have started to lose uh, through having grocery stores is that um, the the old rhythm of eating was that you eat what's available to you or you store it for the winter. Um, and so we've gotten so used to having food on demand that we, you know, you know, you run out of food today and you go to a store tomorrow and, and go get more. Um, but but it used to be that you really had to plan your meals. You had to plan what you were going to grow for the next year. You had to grow enough that you'd be able to store or can or pre- preserve it for the winter um, and, and then have food throughout that winter um, and, and then start again the next year. And those are skills that are gradually being lost by communities around the world because we have these centralized distribution centers. um, We have these modern systems, which I love and I think are great, but we also need to have that resilience built into the communities where people are able to to, uh, supplement their own growth with that international uh, global food chain. Um, And and then there's a lot more to it, um, because I started developing that project into that, that concept into like, there's this worldwide network, uh, well, you know, what people are talking about, like a network state, an organization of people who are trying to build uh, communities um, and uh, in a way like a challenge to the nations that are controlling and manipulating and, and have been captured by corporate um, interests um, against the, the well-being of the people. Um, and then so the the group was ended up uh, uh, named them recap as re uh, reimagining capitalism and 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 trying to kind of figure out ways to use um, the global economic systems to fuel sustainable and circular growth.
0: See, and I've got to say that what captured my imagination about that um, right at the beginning is that it was, I mean, it was exactly what I wanted to do with baldism, with bald Jesus, you know, was was I wanted to create an NFT project, use the NFT project's proceeds to buy a piece of land on the big island, which would have been possible, um, use that piece of land on the big island to focus on things like regenerative farming and, and permaculture and to actually like building content and a different way of doing this. And of course, it all fell apart for the reasons that, well, the main reason is that I sort of chose badly. And, and I think I think using bald Jesus was a little too polarizing for people who love Jesus and people who don't love Jesus, but also timing played into it but yeah you you really captured my imagination because it was like that was my imagination it was what i was trying to put into place in the real world and by the way i'm i still have that plan i, I don't know how it'll materialize yeah. but i think at some point i really want that real world functionality to happen like recap so mm-hmm. i love to and hear it's not, a,
1: it's not an uncommon dream too i mean that's beyond you know the the communal life has has been that that kind of subcultural dream to reimagine how we how we live and how we're communicating and and, and growing together um has been something that's been i mean uh, really could go really far back, but you know if you even look at like the transcendentalists in the, in the u s and in the 1800s, you know these are poets and writers and artists who dropped out of society to create communes, and some of them survived for a while and some of them crashed early. You know this we always think of the hippies, but you know this has been going on uh periodically um you know throughout history and everywhere that people have had to battle against um centralized power, there's been this desire to escape and just do live the simple life, to do the things that that are are right and healthy for us um and to do it on our own uh and i I've kind of caught this same um echo in that Web3 community, and that's why it kind of really, it, it seemed like a great story to kind of get out there. Um, when I posted the, the first little blurb um, that, that you saw, there was a lot of people who responded, just like you. They're like, this is what I want to do. This is what I wish I could do, but, you know, the burdens of of living prevent me from even getting started. You know, we're, we're so busy working for money. We're so busy uh, managing our social anxiety around what's going on in the world we're so busy um, trying to just make ends meet that that we can't get ahead and do something extra and and that's by design Uh, that's definitely we we are kept unhappy and unhealthy so that we continue to consume I mean just stay in the system
0: Hey, I wanted to touch too on something else that you said that has been really heavy on my mind lately, and that was when you were talking about groceries and the the cycle of food production and, and eating mm-hmm. in general. Like, man, I am looking, every time I look in a grocery store, I just look and I go like, okay, I don't know where this was made. I don't know who made it. I don't know what's in it. I don't know what the process that's in it. It's so terrifying. You know, and even, even so far as fruit, you know, fruit, like you would think like, okay, it's fruit. It it but you don't know what the farm it, it was grown on, you don't know what pesticides it was used, it's all put in a plastic bag or a plastic container. It's so terrifying what we are putting into our bodies and we have no Clue and and probably I have this awareness because I've lived in countries where that's not the case where you know you're buying the food from the farmer you're buying the chicken from the person that kills the chicken and
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah I, I just I find this to be incredibly maybe the most dystopian part of our entire dystopian existence the fact that our food is you know you could be eating anything when you buy packaged meat at the grocery store it could be packaged human meat it could be like leftovers of Gazans, um which is a terrible thought and idea so yeah. i'll stop there
1: no no and, and we don't have a choice either i mean uh, i was talking to, to a colleague uh, that i work with uh, the other day and i kind of got on one of these rants and I was like if you know it we saw in the pandemic that the supply chains were strained like they were seriously near breaking. If supply chains broke and groceries weren't getting food, where would you go to get food? I mean, most people would be, besides being clueless, would be miles from walking to the nearest farm. I mean, I live in, in the middle of the city. I, You know, all I see is houses around me. Um, if if I could not get food from the grocery store and my family was hungry, I, I would ha- not have any choice. Um Similarly, uh, that you know, um, oh no, I lost it. There was another thing I was gonna <laughs> add to that, but yeah, no, it's it, it really is. Oh, the other thing is, is we can't trust our government to regulate uh, industries anymore. Um, the the lobbying has corrupted the government so much that, like you said, I don't trust that I know that my food is safe, but I don't have any choice other than to keep eating it because, I mean, what else am I going to do? So we are put, like you said, we're put in this dystopian situation where we don't trust um, the absolute necessities that we have available to us, but we don't really have, unless you, you know, become wealthy enough to exit the, the system, you don't have a choice um, for most people. I mean, you know, that's that's lower, lower class, but all the way up into, you know, upper middle class really are stuck in the system getting what is given to us.
0: Yeah, you know, and it kind of goes right back to what Er Donaldson uh, mentioned a little while ago, which is the jungle. You know, I think that's that's Upton Sinclair or Sinclair Lewis. I always get those two confused. But in the jungle, I think it's Upton Sinclair. In the jungle, essentially, he like revealed the like atrocities that were going on in the meatpacking industry and the slaughterhouses. And maybe your fiction, maybe our fiction, maybe someone listening's fiction will actually be that um, that catalyst that that brings the change that we so need because at that time i think that was in the in the late 1800s the 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 think people just didn't know and i feel like we're in the same way people aren't thinking about the food that they're putting in their mouths they're not thinking about yeah. where it is wow. what it is how it came
1: there the unfortunate thing is though is is it takes more than one voice now people people don't know but they could know all that information is out there if we sat down. I mean, trust me, this is why I have a rant about so many different topics is because all that information's out there. If you were to sit down and just start Googling and start reading stuff, you can figure out all the things that are wrong with the world. It doesn't change anything. Um, they, they've flooded us with so much information that that one voice that used to make a big difference like that, uh, that example um, really doesn't, you know, another, another great one is like, um, is highly quoted is a uh, silent spring, you know, env- as a, an environmental movement, you know, talking about that silent spring where there would be no birds because DDT killed off, you know, made all their eggshells so thin that they could not reproduce, um, really scared people. And now we're talking about, you know, um, glyphosate, uh, glyphosate or, uh, whatever it is, I, yeah, you know what I'm talking about um, roundup. It, you know, is such an uh, hormonal uh, disruptor that it causes frogs in the waterways near our agricultural fields to become hermaphroditic, to be infertile to males, to to grow eggs in in, in their gonads. Like they are like seriously mutating because this chemical is so uh, detrimental to their development. And then people are wondering why human uh, fertility rates are dropping. Well, we're spraying glyphosate all over the country. They don't use it in Europe. They know it's toxic. But our government has been so enraptured with corporate interests that they will not legislate against glyphosate. And right now there's a court case where... um the, you know the manufacturers are really trying to prevent any kind of challenge to you know these chemicals that are toxic to environments and toxic to people, and they just want to keep selling it. They don't care.
0: Okay, so here was here was a piece of fiction for a better tomorrow that I saw and was really surprised by. Um, so I watched. Fall of the House of Usher recently. And I'm going to give a, a, some minor spoilers, but they, they won't spoil the the overall plot for you. But there were some surprises at the end. And one of the big surprises was the activism and the voices of activism that actually emerged uh, in, the, in the final episode, final couple episodes of that. One of them was talking about Monsanto. And not huh. by... I, I can't remember if they actually specifically called out Monsanto, but they were talking about... Uh, how Monsanto had genetically modified uh, certain seeds and made them very uh, virulent, so that they would cross over into the fields of competing farmers that were growing non-genetically modified seeds, and then, then they would actually sue those farmers for replanting the seeds that they had, that then had the the genetically modified organisms inside the the genome of they're it. They're patented, exactly. So they shut down their competition with this like dirty. Tactic, But the dirty tactic also made sure that genetically modified organisms are in all the food supply and everywhere.
1: Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, there's another author. Um, I read him a while back. He had a collection of short stories. They're all most of them very, very fascinating. Uh, Apollo Um And one of his stories is called The Calorie Man. And it's um it's about a future where um instead of money we're actually measuring things in calories and in the amount of food that you can get, uh, because food is such a scarce commodity at that time. And part of it, uh part of the story is uh around this character that they you know, is the the calorie man who goes around and basically works for you know, a stand-in for Monsanto. Um where he um is, is very similar actually uh, um, he um, is enforcing their patents um, on small farmers, basically uh, using the legal system to force them off their land and take over their land so that they can grow that that you know agricultural giant um, and And it's the same kind of thing is that the pollen from you know the genetically modified um, uh, plants. Can't be contained, you know. You you have two cornfields next to each other, and the pollen, the wind, the wind just blows it. And so, what would end up happening is that this calorie man would be going, and he'd be testing, you know, uh these these farmers' uh land plots. And then, whenever they find that genetic material is manifested in in their crops, they'd be like, "Oh, you're using our our genetic, you know, our patent w- without permission," and and then they'd sue them, and then they take their land. Um, very similar story there. Well,
0: I don't want to get too far down the the depressing rabbit hole. I mean, we can look at global warming and the fact that it continues and that virtually nothing is being done to halt it or stop it, and that all comes well, let's, down let's to
1: put it, let's put Iran and uh, UAE in, in charge of some of the talks and, and uh, see how far <laughs> they go, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so
0: ridiculous, you know, and, and I don't know if you've read Kim Stanley Robinson or not. If you guys haven't read him, the Ministry for the Future is a book that I highly Mm -hmm. recommend that starkly, starkly points out where we're heading rapidly and also some potential solutions for how to deal with it. But, but yeah, like, you work in energy, so you know, like, let's let's put the ones who profit the most from dirty energy in charge of determining our energy policy. It's disgusting.
1: Right. Now, I can give you a little bit of, um, of, of insight, though, is, you know, or, or say positive side insight, is while we are looking at that um, at the governmental level, uh, that the governments are not stopping. They are keeping to push forward. Uh, On the other side, I work with industrial clients and our industrial clients um, recognize what's going on. Now, they're not going to make changes out of the goodness of their heart because they have to report to their shareholders. However, there is a case to be made that regulations will be coming and you need to be prepared when they do come. You know, Um, and then the other side of that is, you know, when you're reporting uh, your, your environmental reporting, um, there's, you know, scope one, two, and three reporting. And if you're not familiar with what these emissions are, it's scope one, two, and three emissions, scope one emissions are direct emissions from your activity, your business activity. So if you are um, casting steel, you are making fiberglass, you are making a product, you're burning fuel, you're using feedstock, you have emissions. Those are your scope one emissions. Your scope two emissions are emissions that are made on behalf of you. So that's when you get your electricity from the utility, they had to burn some coal or natural gas or whatever to make that. Those are your scope two emissions. Your scope three emissions are the rest of your supply chain that's up and downstream. Um, and, and those are your partners. So if you buy uh, say you're making a doohickey and it takes some metal and some plastic and, and some other products and you're buying them from a variety of different um, suppliers. The emissions that those suppliers have, their scope one and two emissions become your scope three emissions. So that basically makes a chain of responsibility where even if, uh, say, for example, um, one industrial person, you company is not, uh, they're resistant. We're not going to do any net zero. We're not going to do this. We don't. We're not publicly traded, so we don't have to report. um, All this kind of these excuses. What's going to come down to is. Who are you going to partner with? Who are you going to sell to? Who are you going to buy from that isn't participating? Because your partners are going to be participating and you're going to be their scope three. And if you're not doing something about your emissions, then you're going to be a less viable partner going forward. And so we're seeing in the business side, businesses are taking action and they're recognizing that their neighbors are taking action. And that if they don't keep up with their neighbors, that they might be excluded from business in the future. So there are changes being made. Now, governments, on the other hand, are just doing the dirty work uh, like no one's looking. And and it's disgusting. But uh, there is a lot of change that's coming as well.
0: Well, that is good to hear. And it's good to have... Uh... You know, a voice of that contains some realistic positivity uh, attaching to that. So I appreciate the uh, the ray of sunshine. I did want to uh, <laughs> to check with Rihanna Morgan and see if your microphone is working now. We've we've had mic problems today with Discord.
4: Hello, this is Rihanna Morgan. Can you guys hear me?
0: Yes. yes. Now we can hear you. I don't
4: know. Thank goodness! Thank goodness! And so, Dylan, I just want to say it's so wonderful to meet you like this and to yeah. connect who you are here and who you are on LinkedIn and and various places that I also am. And so, it's wonderful to meet you. Thank you so much for coming today.
1: Absolutely, I've I really wanted to join. Um, I deleted my my Twitter a long time ago, and so I was not able to join the spaces there. Um, but um, and I don't. I don't really want everyone to like kind of move their stuff around because you know I'm on the East Coast or East Eastern time, um, and everyone else is, seems to be on the West Coast, so it's a little bit earlier. <laughs> so it's my it's as well. Should be eating lunch right now, but I'm still sitting at my desk. But I work from nice, home, so nice. when I take when I take lunch, I go go eat with my family, and then when I go back to work, and then when I get off work, it's straight to making dinner and. I got two toddlers, so I never have, I have very little free time. So I'm glad we this was a perfect timing for me. I don't have any calls work, <laughs> yeah. So I'm happy to be here.
2: Excellent,
4: excellent. Thank you so much. Yes, go ahead, CD.
0: This has been a long time coming. Like I'm so glad that we finally made it and this is one of the reasons why we're going to start doing more stuff in the Discord. I think we're still going to continue to use X slant Twitter uh for you know when it when it's necessary or when it when it works better, but one of the big things that we want is we we've got so many amazing people in our community you know like and connected to us like in all these different ways and these are the connections that we should be exploring these are the connections that can change the world this is who we should be talking to you know and i i know a lot of podcasts a lot of uh a lot of spaces and and shows they they reach out and they try to get the big guests to grow their audience and that's great we love to do that too but Focusing at home and and finding out who our community members are, I mean, that's like there's there's a famous spiritual story. I think um, Paulo Coelho probably with The Alchemist, I think it was The Alchemist, he, he wrote it best where where a peasant has a dream that there's a treasure in this different world. And the story goes back thousands of years, by the way. It's told in a couple of different cultures. But he has a dream that there's this treasure in this distant city under a police station. So he goes to the police station and he's trying to dig under the police station. The police arrest him and he tells their story and they laugh. And then the next day, the the head cop comes in and releases him. And he says, I'm going to let you go because I had this dream about a a ridiculous peasant who was digging in his living room next to his fireplace, you know, under his grandmother's chair and found this amazing treasure there. And so I'm just going to let you go cuz I had that crazy dream and the peasant realizes that it's talking about his living room so he goes back right back to where he started and he starts digging and he finds the fabulous treasure right where he began but he had to go on this big journey to find it and that's sort of that's sort of mm-hmm. I'm using that as an analogy for We have the treasure in our community. We have the treasure in our existing network, in our existing connections. And this is all about what the network state is. It's all about what building in Web3, it's all about to bring it back. What Web3 brands are supposed to be is connecting with ourselves and with each other in a way that is meaningful and maybe makes it possible that we don't have to take that huge journey, get arrested and then come back home.
1: Yeah, that's very similar to that—the the whole hero's journey too.
0: Yeah, Joseph Joseph Campbell, I mean, laid it out pretty clear. You know, um, I don't know. George Lucas
1: took that yeah, and go out
0: big things, go with out, it.
1: learn a lesson, bring it back to your community. <laughs>
0: So, I'm really glad you're you're here is, is the bottom line of what I wanted to say. And and Quanta, I want to thank you for stepping in this morning. We had all kinds of audio problems that weren't working and you stepped up and, and carried us through. So, thank you so much for that. I think I lost some of the audio when I was recording because I had to restart.
2: Oh, uh, it was absolute fun. I mean, I I didn't realize your audio wasn't working and I didn't realize it was uh this time already for this Uh, the stage to start I was just having a conversation with Dylan (laughs) having fun
0: (laughs) well the crazy part is that my audio showed that I was working my mic like I you know I was seeing the green box around my avatar when I was speaking but none of you guys could hear me so I'm not sure what that was all about I had to restart the entire system to make it work again
1: yeah last call we had when I, when I jumped on here with the other Dylan. Um, I couldn't get my headphones to connect with the Bluetooth we connect, but then it wasn't working and yeah, it seems like it's a little spotty sometimes.
0: <laughs> just just gonna go ahead and sound like an old guy here, and I gotta say that well, I actually don't think this is an old guy. I think this is just the voice of wisdom. like things don't work as well as they used to. There's some things that are really great that are cool that we didn't have before. But by and large, the Internet, technology, phones, computers, all of this stuff is working less efficiently than it used to 15, 20 years ago, which is frightening to me.
2: Uh, I'd like to, sorry, I'd just like to jump in and say, like, I think that they're making products to be replaced every four or five years Max, you know, I mean, uh, you—they're creating phones, and they're coming up with new versions every year. And this, like, they are very expensive. And I think that is, you know, that there is so much, there's so much product, uh, things that are being produced. There's hardly any difference between version previous and version future. And um, these are not made to last. Even relationships, I would say.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there there's that and there's a, also something I mentioned before is is if you're unhappy with something then you keep buying. So, you know, if it, it's it's that impression that like, oh, well, it's not working right, maybe I need a new one. Um it kind of pushes you towards that the further consumption. And then also when it comes to software, often, I mean, software's complicated. Um uh, there's a lot of interactions and stuff like that, and often they get launched or updates come out Uh, that haven't been fully tested or, you know, have unintended consequences. Uh, We're working with very uh, big, complex um, systems. And when you change one thing in a system, sometimes it causes other things to not work.
2: Do you all think that we're moving too fast, Um, you know, like um, in terms of technology? I feel like in Web 3, at least I have lived years. In the last one year, there is so much happening. In you know, I, I mean, since March, I've gotten serious about writing about fashion, and uh, I think it's been like two, two and a half years already. So, like you mentioned, there is you know, there's technology, there's software, the new updates, um, and it takes a toll um, to keep up with it.
1: I, I think it's a complex issue. I mean, there's one side, there's that that nefarious feeling that that you know that they just want to keep pushing consumption and buying the new version and 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 uh, keep moving the, the market forward. Um, I think the the other part is that people demand it. I mean, the, there's people who want uh, they get bored easily and they want new things all of the time. They constantly want that new thing. Fashion is a great example of that, where you know something that people wore just last year, um, you know, in certain circles is, is completely inappropriate to wear next year. Um, And it's always been like that with fashion. Uh, So I think of what it is, it's not that we're developing technology too fast. It's we're developing products too fast. Um, And, and that's a big difference is, you know, I think that there's too much emphasis on making products out of everything When we should be looking at making better tools, better connections, better relationships with our tools um, and people. Um, Instead of making new products or new offerings or something new to sell. uh, We just need to make things better and work better. I mean, we, we, we were learning to use all these tools. Um, in new and different ways, and it's moving so quickly that by the time you learn how to use, you know, Photoshop, there's a new version of Photoshop, or you, you learn how to use uh, to market on, on X, and suddenly all, all the consumers have left X because Elon's scared them off. Or, you know, uh, there's the, everything's constantly changing so quickly that we can't even build the culture around it so that we can feel comfortable in it.
2: So where do you think uh, we are headed now? I mean, do you? I mean, I see that. <laughs> no, even like like you spoke about fashion, and uh, that is very true of traditional fashion. But when I uh, when I enter this space with digital fashion, it is not about creating a new product. I mean, there are new products, but then uh, it isn't relating to a trend. We are not part of like a tribe. And, you know, every two months you need to change your your look. That is the purpose behind it is to have like your own expression, wear the same thing, just wear different accessories or whatever. But I Mm -hmm. think is that we are headed, even what you all were speaking about earlier about the government and, um, you know, having um, uh, controlling authority. you know, I mean, with this decentralized um, system, I think that it is, we've just started, and I think that we uh, will, we are progressing that way, but then it it totally depends. I mean, we can go either this way or the other way.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You know? I think, Uh, like, it is a step.
1: I think, and you you brought up a good point, is that in certain circles, uh, you know, these things that, that we see as, you know, like I said, the fashion example, um, in certain circles, that that is not the case. Uh, that that traditional uh, approach, and that's I, I can't really say where I think we're going, but what I see happening that that really kind of makes me a little bit happy, but it also presents certain societal challenges. Is that it used to be that we had this mainstream culture, this this over culture that everyone's supposed to participate in, and then there would be these subcultures that are kind of like people that are a little weird, you know, and and they really stood out and they were defined and they were pocketed out. Um so you'd have, you know, subcultures of of thinking and behaving and and dressing. So you have like uh you know the the punks or the, you know, the the you know, my in my time, you know, my time it was you know punks and goths and rockers and pop music and and this and that. Um you know people who who Put their identity around certain subcultural um, uh, uh, manifestations, but now we are so niched out, and and there's so many niches out there that you can create your own style and create a community around it. And people, uh, you know, from around the world are are imitating or are riffing off of what you're doing. Um, that it's become very liberated. Um, to the point that you know we're almost subcultures are starting to be you know at least all together less of a minority and more of a, a, a freedom of expression than the and the, and the overcultures becoming this oppressive conservative trying to clamp down and 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 take over and control everything because they feel like they're losing control um when you just have to be who you want to be um so I, I think that that's that's kind of bringing a lot of challenges, but it brings amazing opportunities for small pockets of people to around the world to connect through our digital technology and, and create uh, culture. Um, I think the days of having one culture or even aiming for one culture or re- reaching that, that massive audience are going away. And that's why the movie industry is struggling. That's why music industries are struggling. That's why all these big businesses are struggling to keep control because your your one audience is no longer one audience. It's a thousand audiences, and they're all going in different directions uh, after different things. Um, and and you can't monetize that the same way. Like making mu- movies that are blockbuster movies are going to be fewer than they used to be in, in the 80s and 90s because there's not uh, – Everyone's going to the movie to see that same thriller. Um, there, you know, some people are going to see a horror movie. Some people are going to see a science fiction. Some are seeing a drama. Some are seeing a historic drama. You know, everyone has these different interests now, um, and there's content that's being created for it, and there's culture being built around it, and it's 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 not as unified as it used to be.
0: There's definitely new control systems being released and created all the time because the old control systems, you know, we find ways to get out of them. We're like dinosaurs in Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park, you know, life finds a way. So we're we're getting towards the end here, but um, our friend George, Odd Writings, has joined us. And George was a victim of the antiquated uh, policy of time change. And unfortunately, he uh, expected we were going to start in five minutes, but or now. But in fact, yeah, we don't change the time in Hawaii. I recommend that everybody stop changing the time, but I know that that's not functional or really practical for anybody where you live in a place where they
1: are my phone doesn't automatically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a shame. It's, it's one of these things where, uh, they've been talking here where I live about getting rid of it and people keep passing laws so that we could just stick to one time and it, but they never pass. And this has been happening for like 20 years or 30 years or some, some such long time. So I don't know. There's politics infused in it. So I got to catch a few minutes live and, uh, Hopefully, I'll be able to listen again uh, somewhere so I can catch the whole
3: uh, whole uh, discussion.
0: We have been recording, and you know, we uh, we got off the rails because technology glitches and and things like that. But it ended up being a great off the rails this morning. Um, and just so you know, odd writings. We were joined by uh, Dylan Mears, um schemata, schemata obscura, and also E.R. Donaldson was here. Quanta, Rihanna Morgan, and myself, you know, partly, but partly you couldn't hear me, but, but here we are. And I do highly recommend that you listen to this one. This has been a fascinating conversation this morning.
4: I definitely
1: will do so. Yeah. I well, it took over
0: a lot. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're glad you're here. And, and actually that worked perfectly. So what we were going to talk about, maybe what we talk about next time, which is what makes a web three brand uh and i think it's a great topic for us to revisit next time but i do want to like give you guys the chance any parting shots or you know closing thoughts you guys would like before we we all head out and get back to work or wake up or start our day or do whatever it is that we're going to do
4: I can jump in here really quick and just say it's been wonderful I've been just so engaged and and thinking about all of the things that have been presented today and utilizing I grew up in a farming ranching community out west and a lot of the things that you were talking about pesticides and and it's just so such a true statement and the impact is so widespread and Um, being so mindful of all of the things that we're doing, um, and just remembering that in at the end of the day that we come home to our place and that we get to build a safe and happy spot for our family and that our family is so important and our friends are so important. And you guys, you, you all here, ER Donaldson, everybody at Vagabond Magazine, Dylan, yourself are so important to me and fulfill my life in ways that's really hard to describe. And I also feel like we have the obligation to build a better world. And so I'm always so happy that I'm with all of you doing all of this together. And so thank you so much for coming and sharing your knowledge and your passion. And and it's wonderful that it mirrors ours. So thank you again, Dylan. And much love, everybody. And what a wonderful way to start the week. Thank you so much.
1: Um I guess I can go next. Uh I'm very happy to to have the opportunity to talk. Um uh, I know that I I get carried away a little bit, but it seems to be a, it worked out for everyone. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: Um I think that we we were facing a lot of changes and and um we need to kind of frame our conversations towards like I was saying early on is is what can we do? What can go right? And and um it's important to always know the cautionary tale to understand what can go wrong, but right now we just need to be kind of putting our heads towards what can we do to make a change, and and we need to be working together because uh, we can't trust our leaders to do it for us. That's what, what I really feel like Web3 kind of like picks up that sentiment that's, that's widespread in our community and our culture right now.
2: Thank you for this amazing conversation. I think what I'm going to take back is about us all working together for uh, what uh, Riona and Dylan have mentioned. We work together to build a better world, um, even a future world. And, yeah, that's, that's a beautiful thought. Thank you.
0: And I'm going to jump back in here and say Indy. I think the time change got you. But uh, so we're joined by Indy Fatigable, our tech editor. And we all love having him here, but we are about to leave. But Dylan, before we do that, I wanted to say we've got an issue coming out uh, December 15th, or maybe December 21st. I think December 21st is going to be the next issue of Vagabond Magazine, the last one for 2023. We would love to have you contribute to that issue, if you have something ready, if you have future for, or fiction for a better tomorrow that is ready that you would like to give to us, we would love to put it in the magazine and to share that with those that read it.
1: I will try. <laughs> like I mentioned, yeah, I work full time, have kids, and um, I juggle a lot of my own writing um, in different different areas and, and uh, different topics. If you want to check out my stacks, I've been posting a lot of my fiction. Uh, not not lux fiction but just my my general fiction uh lately uh what is the theme of that that one
0: we're looking at sort of a retrospective and roundup of our first two years and also of 2023 in the web 3 space and you know it's kind of it's kind of wide open actually but that's that's sort of what we're looking at end of the year issue
1: I'll think about it. I think uh, I might have some ideas. There's uh, there's other storylines. Um, like I went on a big long rant about um, uh, one of the other uh, storylines. Uh, the the recap. There's other storylines that are also uh, in my head that have not really made it to the page yet. So we can discuss those later too, and maybe pull pull out little stories um, that can get those uh, those worlds started to develop out there.
0: Amazing. And I see that Riona's posted the link to, um, you can submit it there. We'll, we'll edit it. We'll like, you know, set it up for you. But, um, but we would just love to have your voice shared. Okay. And, uh, George and Indy, I want to give you guys the opportunity to say something if you want, before we, we all head out into the sunrise sunset afternoon.
2: I'll jump in without
0: hesitation to echo the message of togetherness that I got to hear in the last two seconds. So if we can get time zones and daylight
2: savings time figured out, we'll be ready to uh, solve
1: the And I'll, just, I'll chime in one last time saying, I love everybody here, but everybody already knew that. Uh, <laughs> So next time, next time we'll uh, coordinate our watches, and uh, and you know, I I just got up, so so maybe there's
4: already been an email saying hey you know time change, but of course I wasn't aware of it, so
1: time to read my email. See you guys.
0: Okay, and I just want to iterate that uh, in the Vagabond Magazine Discord here, I try to set up the stages ahead of time and put the time, and I always use HST and let it translate to your local time. So check the Discord. Check the Discord, check the Discord, and you'll always find the, the proper time. That's my best advice I can give on that one. But I'm going to echo George and say I love you guys too. Thank you for coming out thank you for being here thank you if you're listening uh, whether you're listening on substack or on apple podcasts or here in the discord and if you'd like to be part of these conversations if you know someone who has a voice that needs to be heard maybe that's you reach out to us we'd love to have you on vmgm we happen every monday 7 a.m. HST. Translate that to your local time. And we'd love to share that. So over and out. That's it. This has been VMGM.
2: Aloha.